So Money episode 50, Linda Descano. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Good day to all of you. Welcome back to So Money. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Thanks for joining me. Today's guest, very exciting. She is a personal finance and marketing powerhouse who rose through the ranks at one of the largest financial institutions in the world. Linda Descano is here with us. She is now the head of content and social media at Citigroup. She also serves as the president and CEO of Women and Company, which is a city-sponsored personal finance go-to resource for women. And I've had the privilege of collaborating with them in the past. Linda is a chartered financial analyst with over 20 years of experience in the financial services industry. She's a regular contributor to media outlets such as The Wall Street Journal, Forbes, and Yahoo. Linda's fantastic. Three takeaways from our time together. One, the role that parents play in impacting a child's financial future. If you have children or you're thinking about becoming a parent, you'll want to take some notes. Linda has actually some vivid memories of how her parents influenced her financial life now as an adult. Two, game-changing workplace trends in the financial services industry, especially for women. And what Linda considers her biggest financial win, it's going to surprise you. Without further ado, here's our guest, Linda Descano. Linda Descano, thank you so much for joining me on So Money. A pleasure to have you. Oh, thank you for having me, Farnoosh. I've had the privilege of working with you from from uh, time to time in the past several years. Uh, you are for sure a female leader in the finance space, and I think we need more women like you uh, paving the way, leading the way, being our mentors. And I say this to give listeners some background on you. Uh, you have been in the financial services industry for, I want to say, over 20 years. That's right. I just celebrated my 21st anniversary. Congratulations. And Thank so, you. As a woman who has uh, been in the industry for more than two decades, what would you say is the biggest accomplishment and yet also the biggest setback for women in the industry? Well, I think the, um, when I think about the accomplishments, I think today, um, and I think of it from women like you and I as, as consumers of financial products and services, that women in general have gone from being the chief purchasing officer in their household, handling the day-to-day financial chores, like paying the bills and doing the grocery shopping, to really being the true chief financial officer of, uh, of their family and of their life. And in that role, um, they uh, women today are really you know, embracing that responsibility as a privilege and demanding a di- different level of service from financial companies um, like Citi um, and really raising the bar for encouraging financial companies to provide tools and resources that help them connect the dots between all 
parts of their financial life, the day-to-day saving and bill paying to the planning for their children's future and their own retirement. Um, And so I think women really have changed the game. And I think a a setback is that many women still don't feel that they're being heard and valued uh, by financial services companies. And far too many women wait until there's a life event that triggers their trust in finances. So I think it's, you know, the earlier that, that women start taking control of their money, the more options that they will have. Mm -hmm. And even more specifically for you working in the financial services industry, an industry that is still dominated by men, what's changed for you and what, how is it perhaps a more encouraging place to work for women? Well, I think it's changed in that there are more women present in every level of the of of organizations today, um, and women are leading major developments in products and in services more so than I've seen in in the past twenty years. Um, I think there's been a much broader commitment to uh, diversity and inclusion, and not just gender but across all different ethnicities and cultures uh, and, and moving towards more towards a meritocracy. But I'll be honest, Farnoosh, when, when I think of myself, I never thought of gender as the first lens. You know, I'm a woman who's been on a waste management program since she was age three. <laughs> first one in my family to go to college. I went to a state school. I don't, don't have an MBA. To me, many of the issues um, I dealt with in my own challenges were more about body image and that lack of a pedigree. So, uh, you know, gender to me was second to some of those other issues that I had to wrestle with mm-hmm. my, and, and deal with my own insecurities about. I think that's so honest for you to share that because, I, yeah, I think people ask me too, like, what's it like being a woman in finance? And uh, I said, well, you know, actually, I maybe for better, I, I never thought of it that way. I never thought of myself as a, having a handicap because I was a woman. That's right. So let's uh, let's start off the So Money interview, Linda. I'd love to hear your financial philosophy that helps to keep your money in check. Well, I think of, um, I'm big on budgeting. And, and so for me, my philosophy is to think of a budget as a spending diet that allows you to choose how to use like your money versus a penny pinching exercise that's denying me. Now, maybe because I'm always on some form of diet and I'm always paying attention to what I eat, that it really it applies to how I think about my money. Um, but this way, it allows me to really have a strong money conscience and to be sure that I'm putting my, my money where my heart is that, you know, I'm always asking myself, is this aligned with my goals and, and my priorities? And and sort of my my corollary to that is that I, I try to spend on experiences and not just stuff. Because mm-hmm. I realized coming growing up with very little, when I first start making money, I was all about, you know, buying the this and that and and having all these things that for so long I couldn't afford. Then I realized it, it, that didn't really make me happier. But when I can create an experience like taking my niece and nephew to a Broadway show or travel and spending time with the people that I care about, that creates the, the memories that last a lifetime. And it's not about the things. The things have a role, but I can live without them. I can't live without the joy that those experiences give me. Yes. And I think it's been proven 
uh, academically that uh, things do not make us happy. However, spending our money on experiences like sending, taking your niece and nephew to a Broadway show or a simple yoga class or a vacation, mm-hmm. these are the memories that continue to give in their sort of joyful recounts. And that is ultimately what can lead to happiness. Absolutely. Well, you brought up memories and you brought up your childhood a little bit. So I'd love to transition now to uh, talking about your biggest money memory growing up. What what it was like growing up in the Descano family and what may have been one memory from that period of time that still stands out that taught you something important about money? Well, my earliest money memory was when I was about five or six years old. And I, I could remember so clearly my dad handing my mother a $5 bill every day. And that was her like daily allowance for, you know, milk or bread or something. And I also remember a big discussion they had about my mom's name wasn't even on the checkbook. And I couldn't understand why when I was getting an allowance, like about a dollar a week. My dad was also treating my mom like she was a a kid, like a little girl. And that I thought like, isn't it their money? And I knew then that I would always have my money. Like I, it was, money was power and control. And I, you know, and that stuck with me. And, and there was always a tension in my family growing up because money was always a challenge. Um, and, uh, a a lack of alignment over my parents, over what they could afford and what they should spend on. So I think, uh, for me, it really impressed that, that I always wanted a voice with my money and the importance of also having a partner where the two of you could discuss things without shouting at each other. Mm. And I think it's true that power, that money does equal power in our culture, but the key is to remember that it shouldn't be power over, but perhaps mm-hmm. the power to do something that can change your life for the better. The power to make someone else's life better, more enriched. Absolutely. That's right. Sometimes it's not what we say about our, you know, parents say about money. It's what they do. Their actions speak volumes. I'd love if you would share now a financial failure, Linda, and not because I want to get all depressed or anything, but I think that, you know, I, failures are what make us who we are and it's how, what we learn from those failures that are, are priceless. So if you wouldn't mind sharing one financial failure, what happened, where were you and what did you learn? Oh, yes. Uh, well, um, I was uh, actually making a transition from one industry, environmental consulting, into the financial industry. I had worked at that other company for a number of years. I had vested in my 401k. And what did I do when I changed careers? I cashed out my 401k. And to this day, I can't even defend. It's not like I needed the money. I cashed it out and spent it. And it is, you know, it was a real eye-opener when I came into this industry. And then realized what a foolish mistake it was. So I've made a commitment since then to always make, um, you know, making the maximum contribution to my 401k and starting an IRA a priority. Um, No matter how difficult times were, I've made that a priority. But that was one of my, I think, one of my biggest mistakes. 
Do you remember what you spent the money on? No, that's the sad part. It's not like I bought a car or, or bought a piece of jewelry. It's something that, you know, had real utility. I think it was one of those little here, little there. Yes. And uh, waste, it was pure financial waste. And, and yeah, and just to educate listeners, I mean, I think a lot, all of us know the the ramifications of pulling out of a long-term investment that's meant to be for you. Um, what do you think that investment had you not taken it out would have amassed to today? You know, I actually don't even remember the total, mm. but think about it. It was not just my money that, that I wasted. I it was free money, money I earned through my ploy and my employer's match that, you know, was at that point, I think it was six or it was a very generous match, six or 8%. So, um, I not only wasted my own money, I wasted my then employer's investment mm-hmm. in me and in my future. But, you know, I, I lost five years of, of, of savings with that single, you know, um, pen stroke of my name on a form. So, you know, uh, doing it early in my career, of course, gave me the time to bounce back. But, you know, you've probably heard, as I have, people who've cashed out their 401k mid-career in their 40s. Right. And that is significant because you're, you're getting closer and closer to retirement and you have less time um, to get the benefit of compound interest. And of course, you know, you may have to invest uh, more aggressively to make up for that, which again could create more volatility. Um, right. And yeah. by the way, if you have $30,000 in your 401k and you're tempted to pull out, you're not going to get $30,000. You're probably going to end up with more like $22,000 or less because of taxes, taxes. and the penalty exactly. for withdrawing early before retirement age. Mm-hmm. Yep. I have heard this, unfortunately, more than once, Linda, from guests. And uh, it's nice to know that people do recognize this as a true failure because, uh, and not just a minor mistake because it, That's it, right. it, um, it hurts. Well, let's talk about something happier. <laughs> let's mm-hmm. change now to a so money moment, a time in your life when you had a financial win, you know, whether it was you got the raise you negotiated for, or you paid off your student loans, whatever it was, take us to that journey, how you got to that successful point and how we can emulate. Well, my so money moment actually goes back to when I was in high school and had my first job. And as I said, my parents' finance was a real issue. And I remember them fretting about how they were going to buy uniforms um, and other back to school stuff for my twin brothers, um, who were going to, um, a, a local, a parochial school. And so I went to the store that sold all the uniforms. I found out what was on like the purchase list for my brothers. I put a deposit down and then I went every week and, uh, you know, I had stuff on layaway and paid the balance off over the summer with my, my earnings. And when my parents went to pick up the clothes to actually buy them, they were like overwhelmed when the store said everything's already paid. You just have to pick out the sizes and why it stands out because I think I remain so proud of the discipline I had that, you know, you could work and, and, uh, pay something off, but also how money was so empowering to me that I could do something to, to a point you made 
It's the power to help someone out. It was a great feeling, but it really taught me that money wasn't just about me, um, but it was about putting it to work to do something to help someone else. There was a real, it could be a positive thing, whereas money, again, was not my parents always, it was always sort of looking at the glass half full, uh, Mm -hmm. half empty. And I, money, this showed me money could be something that the glass was half full and really informed my future attitude. And how gratifying to be able to do this for your parents. Oh, they were so overwhelmed. The store couldn't believe it. And I think they actually threw in a few extra things. And I think my parents were also proud that I understood their reality. And I stepped up, you know, actually the way my mother did, my mother actually just graduated high school. She left high school in the, the, I think it was the 10th grade to go to work after her, her, her father had cancer and they, her mother needed help to go earn money to, you know, um, raise her siblings. So I had a great role model in my mother. And I think my parents felt like I really stepped up and I understood about sacrifice and service. I love that. I love, love that story. Um, wow. Yeah. Charity begins at home sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. it's wonderful. Well, let's talk about habits now, Linda. I mean, for someone who has had such a a wonderful body of work in, in the financial services industry, it sounds like you have your finances pretty ironed out. What would be one habit that you consciously practice. Maybe it's not daily, but it is conscious and it's consistent that helps to keep your money growing and safe. I think there's my, my phrase is this automate savings, but don't put your finances on autopilot. And, and it goes to this. You have, as I said earlier, you have to pay yourself first, you know, contributions for your retirement accounts of your 401k or 403b, whatever option your employer gives you, your IRA and a general savings account for emergencies should be automatically deposited out of your pay or your checking account. So you don't, you know, it's not there for you to, to, to use. And I think that's critical, but life doesn't stand still. We change jobs. We lose jobs. We launch businesses. We enter relationships. We may exit them at some point. We buy homes. We have children. We have parents who hopefully live a long life but may need our help. We get sick. Our home could be flattened in a storm. So, and how you feel about money, you know, what makes you sleep at night peacefully may change over time. So you have to be sure you're putting your money to work in a way that's aligned with what's important to you and your reality today, not what it was 20 years ago. So like once a year, it's so important to take stock of your financial situation Make sure you understand like where you are, keep your pulse on your paperwork, and then readjust what you're spending, saving, and investing so it makes sense for your life. And that's the my ritual for helping me stay connected with my money, but also being realistic. Cause you know, how I felt about money again when I cashed out of that 401k, I was, you know, footloose and fancy free and much younger. And today I have parents who are aging, I have retirement staring me at the face in hopefully 20 years or so, you have to think differently and, and keep your finances in sync. So you, you can't put it on cruise control and forget about it. Yes. Automate 
don't autopilot. autopilot. I think it's so important, especially now with how the financial industry is changing and evolving. I mean, now we can pay with our iPhones. We uh, can send money overnight instantly. We can forget about using a credit card. That's like so 2010. You know? <laughs> like, now it's like paying virtually. And yeah, I think it's all in the grand scheme of things. Um, a helpful component of of our financial world, having the access, the ability, the 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 speed to do transactions quickly. However, I worry about how this may have a backlash on our financial health. Being able to spend so quickly and almost so thoughtlessly with your phone um, can be dangerous. It, it can be because it, it almost makes you feel like money isn't real because you're not handling cash day to day and you can easily lose track. But you're right, there are plenty of tools through mobile banking um, that allows you to stay on top. But again, staying on top is one thing. Having that, you know, comprehensive view about looking at the whole picture is something different. And we can't forget to do that and connect the dots between, you know, our spending life and our saving life and our investing life. All right, Linda, we are almost at a close here. But before we go, I'd love to do a little uh, rapid fire. So money fill in the blanks, if I may. Are you game? Yes, absolutely. All right. This will be fun, I'm sure. Okay. So finish these sentences. If I won the lottery tomorrow, let's say a wild number, $100 million, the first thing I would do is? Secure my own future. And so would that be padding your retirement account? Selling it would absolutely be... Uh, paying off my mortgage and making sure my retirement account is nice and healthy. I'd create a trust to fund educational interests and community sort of volunteer interests of family members and, uh, you know, invest in a couple of organizations in areas I'm passionate about. And yeah, I may buy a few pairs of shoes and handbags, but, um, <laughs> Let's but be first honest. you have to take care of yourself. Yes. Yes. Right on. The one thing that I spend on that makes my life easier or better or both is? Oh, um, I I outsource a lot of my household chores. You know, <laughs> I, I have groceries delivered. I outsource cleaning, dry cleaning, drop off and pick up. Um, it gives me back time. And that's so precious. You know, I recently made a list of things that would make my life easier or better. I, I'm following my, my podcast and I'm applying it into my own life. Things that I don't, that I'm not doing yet that I think uh, would be worth worthwhile investments. One is increasing my cleaning lady to come, not just from two, twice a month to every week. Because now we have a baby and we're working from home and we have a nanny. And so, and it's the winter time. So there's a lot of dust that accumulates mm -hmm. and it's just like the dishes are piling up a lot quicker. And so that would make my life easier. And the other thing is, um, I'm thinking about outsourcing dinners now because, uh, what we do instead is go on seamless.com, which I don't know if oh, yes. you're aware of. It's this, yes, it's, it's I this am. very, very uh, dangerous website where you go mm -hmm. on and you type in what you want and boom, it's delivered. And it's all through your credit card and you don't have to worry about tipping. Well, that's a slippery slope. So, and sometimes you don't eat healthy when you do seamless because it's ultimately takeout and, you know, you, what am I going to order? Steamed vegetables every time. So having someone prepare food for me, drop it off every day or once a week, and then I can reheat it. 
is something that I'm looking into and I think it would be a worthwhile investment. What do you think? I, I agree. Absolutely. It makes sense to me. All right. Have your endorsement. Good. <laughs> um, my biggest guilty pleasure that I spend a lot of money on is? Uh, premium theater tickets, center orchestra, first 10 rows. I love the theater. And um, so, yeah. Nice. You know, I was just talking about how my brother bought tickets to the Super Bowl, one ticket to the Super Bowl. And I don't have to tell you how much he spent, but it was more than a Broadway <laughs> ticket. And um, I was talking to a friend about it. I was like, I would never do something like that. But you know what? Um, the, the, the Super Bowl could even ask and solicit for that much money for a ticket and people are willing to pay for it. It boggles me. And meanwhile, like I'm, I don't want to spend $150 on a Broadway ticket, (laughs) (laughs) but it's just, it just comes down to what you value, I suppose. That's true. That's true. One thing I wish I had known about money growing up is. You know, that, um, that attitude is everything. Um, you know, that it's, it's really, it, it took me a while to understand that it's again, not about the stuff, but about the experience. And finally, I'm Linda Descano and I'm so money because I know the value of hard work and I respect the value of a dollar. And, and because I know money is an opportunity, it's an opportunity for choice. It's an opportunity to better myself, to care for my family and to give back to my community. I love that. I love that, Linda. Thank you. Thank you so much. And it's got to be said, you're training for a 5K race. How's it going? So far, so good. Um, My race is in two weeks and I uh, feel very comfortable. It's the first time I've run a 5K in 10 years. So uh, hopefully this is the start and I'll move up to a 10 miler. Yeah. And as you were saying before we got on the call, physical health correlates with fiscal health. Uh, we, we wish you the best with that. We'll be cheering you on. Thank you so much for joining me. You are so money, Linda. Oh, thank you, Farnoosh. It was a pleasure. That is a wrap. You can find Linda on Twitter at Linda Descano. And we have all the links to Linda's LinkedIn page at somoneypodcast.com. And there, of course, you can find the transcript and comments from this episode and all previous episodes. And I want to hear from you. Submit your question about money, work, life, guests here at somoneypodcast.com. And there's a very good chance that I'm going to answer it this weekend. Now, if you love what you're hearing and you want the podcast to continue, please spend a minute or two and leave a review on iTunes. It's the single most impactful way to support the podcast and honestly to avoid it from falling into obscurity. Good reviews get you good placement, more organic growth, and every Saturday on this podcast, I select one new review from the week and that person will receive a free 15-minute money blitz with me to talk about whatever they want. So please let me know when you do leave a review. Email me, farnoosh at somoneypodcast.com and I will enter you into the drawing. Thanks so much, everyone. Thanks for tuning in and I hope your day is so money.